Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. I am talking to Seth Rodney and Stephen Fullwood. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing today? Good afternoon. <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> I'm actually doing really well today. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm coming off a, a really good conversation with my boss yesterday, and I actually, for the first time in my life, have been invited to a fashion show. Uh, a runway show, ah, I should say. All yeah, right, all yeah, right. In my inbox awesome yesterday, sauce. yeah. So, <laughs> and it's like Great. it's some like it's. I mean, there, if you're gonna be invited to a runway show, of course it's she she. But like this is like a brand I just looked up. I've never heard of before. But it's like what is it? It's like it What's your, the brand? Pour your moss. Maybe they'll maybe, moss. maybe they'll maybe they'll sponsor the podcast because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pie your moss. I mean, it's just I'm like, damn, that's cool. So um, all right, I think I'm going right. to do that in September. All right, Excellent. moving on up. Yeah. Um, nice. So, um, okay. So today uh, we are actually um, going to talk about something that came. Now, now, were we recording when we had that conversation last week, or was this before we started recording when uh, you and Stephen had the discussion about fathers? I think I it was. Remember. I think we had stopped recording at that point. I think it was after we stopped. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, we uh, decided to make the topic this week fathers uh, because it's sort of born out of a conversation that continued after last week's podcast. Um, and you know, Steve and I are both fathers, right? I have two sons. Mm-hmm. Stephen has uh, an adopted son, adopted and son. Seth um, is currently fatherless. Although you never know. So <laughs> interesting way to put that. <laughs> right, right. Um, it's not, it's not so, like he's barren. I was like, no, right, 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 yeah, right. He has no children. Right. right. <laughs> Something ecclesiastical um, about that. And um, in the in the lead up to the podcast, uh, we talked briefly about it, and it's uh, it's a deep topic for Seth and Stephen because they have um, vexed and complicated relationships with their fathers. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, I am uh, an only son, and I have had many challenges with my father. But um, you know, I uh, my relationship with my dad is great. Um, he was, uh, I mean, my dad came from uh, pretty fucked up circumstances, but, uh, he, um, tremendous, uh, strength of character, um, mm-hmm. didn't carry, uh, a lot of that baggage into, into his relationship with me. Um, so, uh, I know we had talked about framing a question, but I don't know, Seth, Steven, do you want to d- jump in with kind of some background a little bit before we get into it? You can go first, Steven. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I was actually going to tell you both. Could one of you go first? But okay. I will go ahead and I'll, I'll leap in. I'll jump okay. in. Okay. So when we started that conversation last week, I think um, right after the podcast, recording the podcast, I asked myself, what will I reveal about my father, mm. you know, personally? Because my father's a very personal, a very private man. Mm-hmm. And that he can't completely understand why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, one, being out. Or just telling my business. He's like, why do you tell people your business? You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I tell my business because it's kind of everyone's business in a way, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so he, um, just to tell you a little bit about him, he was born in 1939 in Louisiana. And his family moved to a farm mm. in Arkansas where he spent his formative years. And maybe a week after his graduation and when he was 17, he jumped a bus to leave Arkansas mm-hmm. forever. And only visited there like maybe two or three times back just to see his family and to attend funerals, unfortunately. But he was very intent on getting out to California, Compton, California, where we have relatives. Mm -hmm. But he met my mother in Toledo, Ohio, (laughs) and that's where he stayed. 
The reason why I say it, what would I reveal about my father is because I've written about him extensively, and I even published a piece about him in a book called Be a Father to Your Child. Mm-hmm. And I was asked because I was the only black gay person that the editor knew, and she wanted to know what that if I had anything to say about my father, you know, and mm-hmm. basically the um, title of the essay, which I could not find, it's called Work and Travel. And those are the things that my father valued most um, as a young as a young father himself mm. and that the things I sort of picked up as a lesson from him. And so mm. I, in the essay, I recount a story where I tell him that I want to bring my fiance who, when I was um, engaged to meet him. And he was like, well, you know, and I don't know what made me do it, but when he started to talk, I just started taking notes. And I was so happy that I did because I wanted to capture it. And he goes, you know, he goes, Stevie, I love you. I love you until they put me into the ground and I support you. It's just that I can't abide by that. And, you know, I just don't know why you have to tell people. And and I, I kind of like... And a, a, abide by that being you're coming out? Is that... Oh, being actually engaged to a man. Oh, okay. And, you know, and right. so um, he... He went on a very long, it seemed like he was reading from a script. It was just so beautiful and so complex and so wonderful. And um, what he said was, he goes, you know, I thought, he says, you took the hard road. You decided that you would come out and you would make it a platform. He didn't use the word platform. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That language wasn't in use then. And he says, but you know... I'll be. Uh, he says, I'm, I'm selfish. I wanted you to get married to a woman. I wanted you to have children. I just wanted a bunch of little mm. Stevens running around. He says, you could have been president, but you took the hard road. And he kept repeating that. And I was like, you know, I don't recall, because wow. I don't have to ask in front of me exactly what I said, but it was something to the effect where I'm just being myself. Wow. You mm. know, and then I, I went to where I thought he could understand. I said, well, you know, think about Rosa Parks. And then I started naming other sort of figures that he knew. I said, if people didn't stop and do what they thought was right, we wouldn't be here doing right. certain living certain kind and living in certain kinds of ways. Right. And but I remember feeling like my father's listening, but I'm not sure what he's hearing. Mm. Um, but he's starting to become like I feel more like a concept to him than a son at times. So I float mm. in and out of a um space where when I left home at the age of 18, I put myself through college, which he really admired. And he was going through a divorce with my mother. But that I, I started to go, I just don't know who this man is. I mean, I spent my life with him. He, was a, he wasn't an absentee father. In fact, he worked two or three jobs at a time. Went from mm-hmm. you know being a cook to a paramedic to back to a cook and was always picking up jobs here and there. But I realized that for this particular podcast, it, it invigorated me to think more about the quality of the life that he's led. He's retired now, lives in Ohio, has mm-hmm. all kinds of grandchildren, <laughs> you know, and has um, suffered through a lot of deaths within the recent um, two decades, you know, of his parents, his his siblings, his former wife, his children, and, and friends. And so there's a sort of isolation that I feel he probably experiences like a lot of other men and women who get to a particular age where people are just dying around them mm-hmm. and they're there. And what do, mm-hmm. what do they do? And so... Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start there because I just kind of want to give, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. just trying to give some sensibility, um, a, a perspective on mm-hmm. me still learning who that man is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so when we had discussed, um, yeah, we had this meta discussion about having this discussion around fathers mm-hmm. before we started recording, Travis laid out basically an argument that. In highbrow culture, in the sort of circles that we all 
spend time in professionally and you know our leisure probably. time yeah, like in, in personally as well yeah, yeah, yeah. probably yeah, yeah. yeah in our personal relationships i mean we we spend time around people who think about ideas a lot and a talk lot. about i talk, talk about ideas mm-hmm. too much maybe but but <laughs> that's never in, too much in in, in <laughs> within this 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 cultural circle uh travis is arguing that fatherhood in general and the sort of practices and conversations around how to be a man in the world don't get a lot of respect. Um, Mm. In general, the conversations we have, and I think Travis is right about this, look at the ways and means of marginalization and oppression that get shunted through, you know, gender, ethnicity, class, la, la, la. And we're very, very Mm -hmm. concerned about these things, and and rightly so. But we tend not to have a lot of respect for the sort of, what's the word, the role, I guess, of fatherhood, of, of being a father. And I wanted him, I wanted Travis to sort of use that, to sort of frame that up as a question, like to lead us into this conversation. And I think mm. given what Stephen has said, I think the question might be, in what ways have each of us learned, if we have, to sympathize with our fathers and mm-hmm. what they and mm-hmm. what have they done to bring mm-hmm. us to that point and i think stephen given what stephen's just said i think i think what i heard is that what your father has done in order for you to be able to sympathize with his with with his worldview, with his plight is he's actually he's shown you love he's oh, yeah. shown you love mm-hmm. he's given you support Mm-hmm. He's given you respect, and mm-hmm. he's let you in to how he processes things. Uh, I mean, when absolutely. you have that conversation mm-hmm. with him, mm-hmm. um, he lets you in. I mean, and I, and, I, mm-hmm. and these things are really clear to me because I have to say that these are things that my father absolutely does not do. Like he does not mm-hmm. do with me. Mm-hmm. He has never mm-hmm. done. And I, I think I'm finally at the point in my life where I am able to recognize. And this is after how many years of therapy? <laughs> um, wow, four or five, maybe. Finally, at the place where I can say, "Okay, right," I, I can say to another human being, I can say to you too, I can say to whoever's listening, um, "Okay, my father is a narcissistic asshole. He just is. Mm-hmm. He's just not very concerned with people other than himself, and, and in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, he actually does." Trump actually does remind me of my father in that he can be, he's, his pettiness and his vindictiveness comes out of this sense of him never being sure that he actually belongs in this world. Like he, like Mm -hmm. he's not, he's not convinced that he's He's not sure footed about it. No, he's Mm -hmm. never convinced that he's actually a valid, legitimate, um, worthy of respect. So he's mm-hmm. constantly sort of looking for ways to shine a mirror, shine a light, other people's lights on him, on himself, so mm-hmm. that he can feel like he does, he is worth something. Um, and I remember this when I was a child, that, and my father told me lots of stories growing up. He wasn't absentee either, but he mm-hmm. was present in a way that was, I think, from, I mean, most of my memories are, at least so, it, 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 my memories sort of, you know, biased, but, it felt like he was angry at least half the time he was in my home. 
mm-hmm. was angry at mm-hmm. his his wife. He was angry at us. I have a sister who's mildly autistic. The, the, that really made our family dynamic super contentious and resentful. And uh, and they had a bad marriage, so there's that. And my father cheated on my mother a lot, which my mm. mother deeply resented. But one of the stories that he told me when I was a child was he said that he, w- he grew up in Jamaica. He grew up dirt poor in Jamaica. And uh, I think, in fact, I looked, I, I did some research on this, and I think when he came over to the United States, which would have been late 60s, I think the unemployment rate in Kingston, where he was from, was around 20 to 25%. So that means like Ooh. one in five, Ooh. one in four people were not working at that mm-hmm. point, right? Mm-hmm. So he came from desperate circumstances. Uh, mm-hmm. He told me he that he wasn't until he was like an adult that he actually owned a pair of long pants. Is how he said it. So he didn't have trousers. Mm-hmm. He had mm-hmm. just shorts or whatever until he was like eighteen or nineteen or, or, mm-hmm. or thereabouts. Right. Mm-hmm. He said that um, that he remembers being a skinny kid and thinking when he spoke to women um, who he was interested in, how could they ever love me? How you know. I just didn't understand how they could, essentially. Mm-hmm. He didn't say it that way, but he just, that's how he saw himself. And I think that mm-hmm. I'm not sure that he ever actually moved past, moved through that or past that. And, the, and, the, and my father came from a place of really deep hurt from his own father. And this is a story that, mm-hmm. here's another story that he told me constantly. And this is, I think, and I'm going to tell you, tell this story and then hand it over to somebody else to speak for a while, but... Mm-hmm. I, I think this is the only sort of point of sympathy I have with my father because he's such a, a I think, a mean-spirited and, and sort of vain man. Mm-hmm. I know that he comes from this deep hurt in that he told me this story, the following story, a lot growing up. He said that he, his own father, called him G, was messing around with some woman in town. And mm-hmm. my father had to go by to see him for something. And his father saw him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, since he was with this woman who was not his wife, um, he didn't want my father to like know or to, or to have it get back to anybody else through my father that he was messing around with this woman. So mm-hmm. he said to my father, don't tell her that you're my son. Say you're my nephew. <sighs> And he told me this story. I, I think my father's told me this story at least 15 times over the course of my life. Wow. Yeah. And he said, you know, blah, blah, blah. It hurt me so bad. And my father denied me and blah, 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 blah. It's like out of a Russian novel. It's like the thing that makes the hero like fall apart. So like the whole mm-hmm. novel, right, mm-hmm. is like of, it's about the slow sort of crumbling of this mm-hmm. person because of this one sort of decisive act. Um, and that's the only thing, I mean, that's the only place I can sort of muster up any sympathy for my father. Um, just, mm-hmm. just knowing that kind of, essentially, that kind of origin story. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, my father's the kind of person who, if, I, if he wasn't my father and I met him, I would think, oh, wow, you're someone I want to have nothing to do with. Mm. Word. So... So I, I have a, a few things. So I've been trying to keep mental notes here. So one, uh, in a 
kind of ironic way, Stephen, you know, you mentioned uh, how your your dad couldn't quite understand why you told everyone your business. Yeah. And your mm-hmm. dad was a very private man. Uh, but in, in, in a lot of ways, th- both of those strategies, uh, rather than say like a strategy to dissimulate or to lie or whatever, uh, to not to lie, but to 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 tell um, to puff oneself up. These come from a place of strength, right? So if you if you want to if you hold everything in so that no one knows your business, like no one can hurt you, right? Like that is your. But if on the flip side, if you tell everyone your business, there's nothing that anyone can hold over you. Mm. There's nothing there. There's yeah. There's <laughs> nothing. No one can say anything to you. No one can exactly. say like, "Hey, I heard you were doing." Like it just doesn't matter. Exactly. It's all right. out there. There's no. Right. Mm-hmm. They're both. They're they both come from a place of strength. They're they're just you mm-hmm. know, sort of flipped strategies. And so um, I would definitely see some parallels there. And, you mm-hmm. know, Seth, the, the thing that I actually – you you actually ended up anticipating the question that you'd asked, you know, for me to come up with a question is just, you know, the, what type of wound do you think your father or fathers or our fathers suffered in order to inflict that pain on the people that they love? Mm. And, and it reminded me of um, – Something that Thich Nhat Hanh, the the Buddhist monk, says, which Mm. is that, you know, people who are in pain can still love, I'm paraphrasing, Mm -hmm. but the love that they offer is hurtful because they themselves are wounded. And so they don't – they're wounding you the way that they also are wounded. It recalled for me what both of your your situations recalled for me and is that it's very difficult for us uh, being shaped by the kind of culture that we've been shaped by and have having the kind of space to explore and grow as men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's difficult to fully relate or appropriately empathize with men that did not have that same space. They just, mm-hmm. and in fact, that that encroachment on space, on cultural, intellectual, psychological space, I think permeates American culture right now. And and mm. I, I mean, I just so I I the 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 example that I was going to give to try and keep things concrete is. Uh, the Sopranos, right? So Tony Soprano Aww. being maybe one of the most famous fathers of the aughts, mm-hmm. um, obviously uh, essentially a sociopath, a murderer, um, but also completely feckless and ineffective in his own family. Right? The opening scene of The Sopranos is Tony Soprano sitting in an, in a waiting room. The indignity of a uh, the indignity of a waiting room waiting to go see his female therapist. I mean, this is. Uh. This is a man that is this is a, a a man of power that is in fact actually gelded. Mm. Um and and that that image of the father. Now you can read it in a white male way, and I think that's completely legitimate. I don't I don't mm-hmm. think that, that should be I don't think we should take that out of the conversation. Uh but as a culture, as as uh as a civilization in the 21st century. I don't think that we have a very good map for how to be a man. Anymore. Oh, no, not at all. I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. In fact, I think in some ways the men that we're talking about, I'm waiting for you, Travis, to talk about your dad, is that there was a certain – the word sacrifice doesn't yeah. really quite do it um, because of the emotional 
terror of being known or the emotional terror of not being considered a man and all these mm. things that sort of um, ravage a person who may not have any access or want any access to the internal life. Mm. It's just, that's how it is. That's mm. just how it is. You know, mm. that kind of guy. <laughs> and, mm. you know, um, so yeah, please um, talk about your dad. You know, again. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. So one of the, you know, I mean, it's, it's fair. So, you know, my dad, um, my dad was also very angry growing up. Um, I don't mm-hmm. suspect in the same way that Seth's was. My my dad is not not narcissistic at all, but he was very angry. His father was uh, uh, was a philanderer, probably a polygamist, um, oh. very abusive uh, to my father, probably sexually abusive to my aunts. Uh, I mean, just a real piece of shit, son of a bitch. Um, mm. That, that like, bad enough that I don't really care how bad his father was to him. Like, I just, it'd be okay if he had gotten hit by a truck, you know, mm. after my dad had grown. You know, I don't want to interrupt. No no uh, weird Terminator storylines. Like, mm. I don't want to undo my lineage. Mm. But, mm. but mm-hmm. as a, mm-hmm. I mean, as a human being, mm. you know, just, uh, just bad enough that, I mean, he was as bad as Seth's father was. I mean, this man was a real, like he was a predator, essentially. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and my dad, right? So my dad got in a fight with his father, left home at 17, joined the army, uh, grew up in Arkansas, deep Arkansas, like no plumbing, Arkansas. Mm. That kind of plumbing, gotcha. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, until yeah. late, obviously later, later in my dad's life. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? My dad never in his life raised a hand to me. Mm. Never once. And and that took a tremendous – I mean, so one of the reasons my dad was angry so much when he was young is because he had so much anger that got stored inside of him from, you know, this kind of situation of powerlessness when he was young. Mm. And, and the thing that he could do to break that was to never raise a hand to me. I mean, you know, we had plenty of contention. I, you know, I was mm-hmm. strong-headed as a teenager and mouthy and disrespectful and all this kind of stuff. And my dad never never raised a hand to me. And the the amount – of emotional force it took for him to break that cycle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is something I can never repay my dad for, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, it's yeah. my it's my obligation to take care of my parents. I'm an only child. I feel that obligation. I don't – that obligation doesn't wear me down. I'm happy to do it. But I can't repay that. I mean, my dad literally – through force of will and character, ensured that I wouldn't be just some other statistic in that line of, mm-hmm. you know, assholes going back to Adam. Um, and, uh, you know, so I have a tremendous amount of respect for my father and thereby uh, probably maybe a tincture of sympathy when I hear these other stories, you know, of your, mm-hmm. even your own fathers. And of course, like, in that story, I'm always on Seth's side. Of course, I would always be on your side, Stephen, if there was, you know, mm-hmm. some wound that you suffered as a result of that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, man, that – I mean, those are tough circumstances you guys just described your fathers, like, making yeah. their ways out of. Like, yeah. like how many of their friends didn't do any of the things yeah. that they did – to bring both of you into the world and, and give you the opportunities that you have to be sitting, you know, one and one twenty in the afternoon on a Thursday, yeah. talking about stuff like this. Like, yeah. I just, no, I, 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 mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I, I want to push back. Actually, I want to push back a little bit on <laughs> fair, that. Fair, fair. Because uh, I actually think that, and I'm gonna say this with the appropriate preambles and provisos. <laughs> <laughs> 
I th- actually think that I'm more self-made than that. I think that my father okay. may- and my mother maybe gave me the raw materials to become the person I am. But okay. I did the mixing and baking. I really did. And and okay. here's, and here's uh, I'm mindful of, of it being really useful for people listening to have stories, to have um, anecdotes. I remember when I was 13... And I, uh, I went to I went to Christian schools my whole life because my parents are died in the world religious people. Mm-hmm. Um, church. <laughs> if you can see the pain on yeah, Seth's face as yeah. he tried not to reach yeah. for some other adjective <laughs> to describe them. Pejorative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to be generous right now. Church two or three times a week. Christian school. The whole. I mean, the, I was. It was in, indoctrination. It was. Mm-hmm. It was full on. Um, but I remember coming home from school at 13 and being upset about something and trying to talk to my mother about it mm-hmm. and realizing how bumbling she was emotionally, just, just how she just didn't have the tools to actually deal with getting me to talk about my hurt and, what, and, uh-huh. how, and how to move through it and past it. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I could not have been more than 13. Or 14. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. I mm-hmm. thought, oh, my parents don't, they're not able to raise me. They, they, don't, they don't know how to do it. Good, great. Uh, and, um, and then, you know, it was, sort of, it was sort of roly-poly from then on. I mean, at 17, I had a mm-hmm. physical fight with my father, left the house, mm-hmm. never came back. Um, my friends gave me, it was actually Lawrence who came and got me in his car. My old friend, wow. Lawrence Harding. Mm-hmm. Um, I, n- I never went back to their house after that to live. Uh, I visited, but, you know, um, mm. I was done. And then I didn't speak to my father for, for several years. And then he called me up. We sort of, sort of made peace for a while. Mm. Um, this was when I went back to college, did undergrad. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. But basically from then on, it's just been intermittent bouts of ridiculousness and cruelty mm-hmm. and, and me sort of trying to reach out from this place of being this very sort of mm. sensitive and um, what's the word? That's true. I, I know that that's true. I mean, we've been friends for a very long time, and I know you put a lot of effort into that um, right. over the years. I right. know you did. That's but true. I, that's very true. Right. But my point is that I don't think that my father I – can, I can't give my father credit for getting mm. me here. I mean, I really mm. did most of the heavy lifting. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that he – if he could, he'd want to take credit for me. He really would. Um, <laughs> of course, he would love that. But of but course. he but he can't. He he never had the tools, and he never cared enough to get them. Do you think he knew that there were tools? I don't know. That's a good question, Stephen. I don't know. It's it's yeah. a question. So both of you said things I really enjoy. Travis, I want to say this about your dad, that anytime a man is gentle with his son or sensitive and just kind of thinks outside of his own needs, I think it makes he he only made not only made your life better, but he also made the world better. And I'm not being mm, facetious about that. I believe that. that. Just, no, no, I believe that. Yeah. So the fact that you're here and able to talk and to recognize what he was able to do in terms of what he inherited, that's really beautiful and, and necessary. And mm-hmm. I hope that our listeners kind of pick up and kind of pull the pull up what I'm trying to get at, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when I think about your father's stuff, I think of I think of what 
whatever he's dealing with, I, I, I wonder if people have internalized that they have access to mm-hmm. or that they want, because it could just become too, to fill up on something I was saying earlier around, the internal life is so complicated. And so when you talked about your father, it made me think of Paul D., a character in mm-hmm. Beloved, Beloved by yes. Toni Morrison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there's mm-hmm. a really lovely moment where he's telling her, you know, a man ain't a goddamn ex. You know, just going around mm-hmm. hacking and yeah. I think I forget mm-hmm. I think I have it right here. Yeah. Let me tell you something. A man ain't a goddamn axe. Chopping and hacking, busting every goddamn minute of the day. Things get to him. Things he can't chop down because they're inside. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved that line. I've always liked mm-hmm. Paul D. Cause I felt like, yeah, if I if I ever get married, I would want a Paul D around. Somebody mm-hmm. who has seen something <laughs> mm-hmm. and didn't let it kill him. Mm. or be use it as an excuse not to be better because mm. i think i still think that and i don't think that it's a wonderful way to think at all but it's still in my head it's like you can choose to be better but i don't really fully believe that anymore <laughs> after wow. being in this earth for 52 years wow. um the very last thing i want to say very briefly is that seth mm. my moment of the two moments very briefly one moment was i wrote a letter to my mother telling her to leave my father and I left it mm. on their bedroom, like their 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 Ooh, bed, wow. the mantel on their bed. I was um I was looking for the letter, the what I remember about the letter. I was probably around ten or eleven. Wow! And of course he found it. Of course Oof. he confronted me about it. Oh, man. And I was just like, I would have loved to have had that letter today. What was mm. I thinking? But I remember mm. how I felt. I don't remember the exact mm. words, but I remember just feeling like we're in a terrible situation. He's and I blamed it all on him. You know, mm-hmm. I blamed it on him and mm-hmm. felt like she could do better. Mm-hmm. Woman with five kids, high school education, I'm not sure. Toledo, Ohio, mm-hmm. we're on this side of the beginning <laughs> right, of right. all the factories closing and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. The other thing <sighs> is I remember telling some some adult rebuked me for something, but I remember saying to myself, they're bigger than me, but they're not smarter than me. And right. that was the unraveling for me thinking that adults had your best interest at heart. Right. I think it was a teacher, mm-hmm. but I was really angry. I was like going, you know, this injustice, you know, you know, kids can be like injustice. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you realize, oh, it's a much more complicated story. Who gets justice? Mm-hmm. Who doesn't get justice? And so right. forth. But, right. but yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. Those are that's all I got to say, Paul D. <laughs> so, so I want to, I want to preemptively somewhat put a pin in this and say. We should do a part two because I really think that we've only sort of begun to unearth mm-hmm. some some really good things, and I, and I do want to say also, I really appreciate the. I mean, you are, you guys are always candid with me, and you're always deeply thoughtful. But I think I really needed this today with this particular subject because it's it's mm-hmm. hurtful for me. It's difficult for mm-hmm. me to talk about my father. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult for me to go back and, in some ways, re-experience all the ways that I feel like that relationship didn't prepare me to be in the world. And okay. hearing how your fathers did that for you, at least it, I feel like it's, it's possible. So mm-hmm. that's that's really helpful. Oh yeah, so I, I appreciate oh, yeah. that. Yeah, before but before we close, I wanted to say you know Tim, I appreciated actually your pushback on that stuff because what it reminded me, uh, what you telling your story reminded me of, is the 
is where I would place my father in that chain of events, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, his own father I found irredeemable, and my dad really just had to figure out stuff on his own or what I felt like was on his own. Right. You mm-hmm. know, he, he was in Vietnam and, I mean, just lived through a pretty rough time in the country. Uh, not that there aren't other rough, rough times in our history, but mm-hmm. um, and that I think my dad would say something similar to what you said, Seth, which is that he had to just figure that shit out on his own. And kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, he had the advantage, unlike uh, you, he had the advantage of my mom. My mom is very strong. Uh, you know, she's like, no, no nonsense. She's she's mm-hmm. about the business. So, um, and, you know, I know that that, that they helped each other. Um, and so I, uh, I, I do, I don't, what I said, I don't think is carte blanche for a lack of responsibility uh, for any far uh, for any father in their um, in uh, their willingness to inflict pain on others. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, we have the tools that we have, as Stephen said. And if you don't, you know, the unknown unknowns, right? You do, if you don't know those tools are out there to do those things, um, uh, it's hard to deploy them. Well, I want to, and this, I think we should pick up next time. It's like, okay. so right. what, so how do the people who don't have the tools ever figure out that they are such thing at, uh, things as tools and go get them? Like, what uh, is it, what is it that turns the corner for them? Right? Oh, that's, okay. that's the best answer for that, but I will wait. Okay. So we have to promise to re-listen to this end so we can pick it up. So yeah. next week, though, mm. uh, for our listeners, because I know we have a few people that tune in regularly, I look at the podcast metrics. So uh, next week, I will be solo again because both Stephen and Seth are traveling. So uh, next week, we will not talk about fathers. Uh, I'm not sure what, but I, I promise to keep next week short, just like I did last time. Uh, but when we pick back up... Uh, second week in September, um, we will uh, pick back up with Father's Part 2. Sounds good. Perfect. Steph and Stephen, thanks very much for the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye.